from Courtside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast, episode number 381. Andrew with you once again, I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host and fellow NLSC team member is Derek, you know him in the forum as DP3, and he is DP384 on Twitter. No, I'm happy to be here again. Uh, you know, however, I'm sad. Sad? Sad. So... You saw I posted some highlights of NBA Live 15 on Twitter, and I also uploaded NBA Live 15 gameplay video to my YouTube, right? Yeah. So one of my biggest problems with NBA Live 16 was you would you would start up your dynasty, and not only could you only use one team, you could only use one team in NBA Live 16 in dynasty. You couldn't select multiple, which um, threw out the idea of local multiplayer in that mode, like using different teams, but you couldn't play on the same team either in NBA live 16 in dynasty. You could only play against each other. So I could pick a team and then like you could play against me every game or something like that. However, so, so I'm I'm playing live 15 and I'm, I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. I'm like, you know what? There's some nice moves. You saw my, uh, you saw my Kevin Durant pull up on LeBron James from like 35 feet out. I, I did. Uh, also in this week's uh, NLC Top 10 Plays of the Week. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's in that as well. And, you know, I had some nice pull-up jump shots with Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, fast break dunks and running pick and rolls. And I had a nice, nice little post hook, all this stuff. So I'm like, you know what, maybe I could start a season. And even if I can only use one team, maybe Live 15 got it right because I couldn't remember. And maybe... Nick and I, or Mark and I, my two brothers, maybe we could jump in and use the same team, play on the same team, and play against the computer. Like, we do a draft and have some fun with it. So, I jump into Dynasty on NBA Live 15, and not only can you not play on the same team as somebody else, but you can't even play against each other so the only option in dynasty is human versus computer that is it one human one computer and it just got me thinking again how is that how does that oversight happen like how does a sports video game a basketball video game created in 2014 how does it get created and put through production and not allow you to play against another human in a dynasty mode in a season mode or play on the same team as another human. It's, it's mind boggling enough that you can't use more than one team when you could in the past, right? Decades earlier. It it just blew my mind. And it made me really sad because as much as I might want to pick up and try to enjoy a season on NBA live 15, the only option for me to do that is for me to play against the computer. And you know our gaming habits. And you know how much more fun it is to play another human like we have been on NBA Live 10, right? That's yeah, been amazing. Absolutely, yeah. No, uh, it, it, it speaks to one of the biggest problems with NBA Live, really going back to the mid-2000s when it would just lose these staples of basketball gaming, sports gaming, as you said. These these staples such as multiplayer in the franchise mode and, and being able to have head-to-head and co-op and all, all kinds of things like that. I, I believe... Was it Live 14 you couldn't even play co-op? It, it had to be head-to-head? Yeah, I believe that's the one. Yeah, and yeah. Then, well, no. Things like that, yeah. It's, well, it's like a slap in the face, too, because on NBA Live 15, for example, when you go into Dynasty, you know on the controller select screen where there's usually, like, if you have two controllers plugged in, there's two, right? Yep, yep. Moving there's only across, one. Yeah. 
Like yeah. you can have you can have multiple controllers hooked up and only one shows up, and it's just like, wow, really? So I I, I was thinking back to like Live two thousand three, Live two thousand four. Live 2000 for the PC, where my brothers and I, we all did a fantasy draft, so selected our players, selected multiple teams, and we were in a season together. Live 2000. And it's just like, how do you go that far backwards, and how does production, like how do they build this dynasty mode, and it gets through production, and nobody says anything about that? There's just that assumption that people are going to play this certain way, that everybody's playing. If you're going to be playing multiplayer, oh, you're going to be playing online multiplayer, presumably. No couch co-op, no couch uh, comp, no, no couch competitive gameplay. I think there's just these assumptions, and NBA Live has just streamlined so many things. You see how Dynasty in NBA Live 06, uh, that is PC, not uh, <laughs> 360, of course, compared to Franchise in NBA Live 19, and they call it a streamlined experience. I, I just call it a watered-down franchise experience that they have in 18 and 19. Even when it came back in 14, it wasn't as good as 10. It didn't get any better over the years. It took to a patch for 18 to get roster editing back in the game. So all these staples, we don't have a standalone playoffs mode. These are the things that live when it, as we've talked about so many times before, when, if it makes a strong return, as we'd love to see it happen, it needs to cover all these bases. Yes, it also needs to have great gameplay and it needs to have animation quality and all that stuff. goes without saying. But if you don't have all this other extra stuff, you need that's the stuff that hooks people in. It's, it's, that gives people the experience they want. That experience the gameplay how, how you want. And you just can't skimp on the modes and the features and the content. Gameplay is paramount, but everything else is so important too. How much fun have we had playing NBA Live 10? Oh yeah, yeah against each other um and what's one of the biggest limitations for us right now with live 10 we cannot start a season using different teams and playing against each other like our option on nba live 10 um i actually haven't gone in to see uh, can we even play can we play on the same team in live 10 uh we in, can uh, yeah we, we we could we could do a playoffs we could do the standalone playoffs but not a, a dynasty or season yeah so yeah and see how why Mm. why like i just don't i just don't understand how like you want to know why local co-op um and local multiplayer in general is dying because companies are not making it a priority i talked about this on another podcast if you make it a priority and you give those people those options and you advertise that part of the game and advertise the fun people could be having with that portion what's going to happen people are going to use that stuff and it, it, may not, it may not be a majority. I mean, I mean, you look at the comments from Jim Ryan, of course, talking about backwards compatibility. But when there's no backwards compatibility, then people, of course people aren't going to be using it. People can't enjoy I it. I don't even want to talk about Jim Ryan and his comments, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, drives me nuts. Uh, so, you don't know, but, you know, I'm playing NBA Live 15, and that game is really rough in some areas. There's still the very robotic, non-fluid movement in the post and in general. There's a lot of weird momentum stuff when, when you, like, try to do a dribble move, you'll be dragged really far into one direction. Um, or you'll just, like, it will just feel completely out of control. Like, the dribbling isn't very tight, uh, etc. But I was playing it, and I'm like, I can see why some people enjoyed this game. And why yeah. it definitely proved on, um, 
what was the mess of live the NBA live 14. But yeah, that's just super disappointing. And it made me really appreciate because later my brother Mark came over and all three of us jumped into our NBA 2K17 um, season that we all are playing. We're on season two. It just really made me appreciate what 2K did. Um, and we talked to Leftos as well, uh, who works on that part of the game. It just what really appreciate, I really appreciate that they always kept the multi-team use in NBA 2K series. They made local multiplayer still a priority. Um, they allowed people that want to play local co-op and local money, multiplayer to have the options that they need. In fact, they've even expanded it and expanded on it over the years um, through my league and you know my NBA now, etc. So it did really make me appreciate that at least 2K has been consistent on that on that end. It's it's the depth. Even when gameplay has struggled here or there, or they've introduced a mechanic that we don't like. The, the depth of, of 2K has remained consistent, absolutely, and, and that has been its its strength and why it has continued to succeed as much as anything else. And, and live, even if you can adjust to the gameplay, you know, we always talk about people saying adjust. Even if you make the adjustments to compensate for some of the issues with the gameplay, or indeed if you enjoy it or prefer it, what's going to keep you hooked? And that's why I'm, I'm all about the modes. And, and funnily enough, I did spend a lot of time with Live 15, more so than 2K15, actually, uh, playing Ultimate Team mostly, uh, quite enjoyed it that year. I've got a lot of videos there in the uh, in the vault, and and a lot of hours racked up with that game. And, and it's funny because I was still when Live came back, I was trying to give it a, a chance and support it. And, and it was that uh, remnants of growing up as the NBA Live gamer, and of course the NBA Live Series Center as we were for so many years, and technically still are, I suppose. But we just call ourselves the NLSC to uh, emphasize the fact that we do. It's not just about NBA Live anymore. I, I've been playing 2K14 a bit basically because I was just reinstalling it on, on PS4 um, after it got uh, wiped uh, a little while back. when it, I had it installed on an external drive, and the external drive um, gave up the ghost, unfortunately, so I had to reinstall it um, on the on the um, internal drive. And the install looks great. It does, it, it does. And I, I actually sent you a highlight for a possible future uh, top 10. Um, I, I Inspired by what we've been doing with Live 10, actually, and put together the 95 finals, or a game from the 95 finals, took the 95 Magic, who were already in the game, of course, uh, made a couple of roster moves just to get the 95, change the 94 Rockets to the 95 Rockets, played a game, got some highlights, just messing around, had some fun with it, and I've really enjoyed doing that with 10, how we put together the retro teams and the other fantasy teams with fantasy teams mode in NBA Live 10, and, and just enjoying playing games just just play, just playing virtual basketball, not having to worry about collecting cards, uh, grinding up XP, grinding up for, for VC to level up a my player, just putting some fun scenarios on the virtual hardwood. I've really been enjoying that as of late, doing that a lot of that with you with Live 10 of a Parsec, obviously. So I did a bit of it with 2K14, and, you know, the game holds up pretty well, and it's interesting because I, really, I didn't really get into 2K14. I, I love 2K13. Played the hell out of it. That was my first year playing a lot of my career. But 2K14, I just couldn't get into. Yeah, but it's one of those games that you revisit and you realize that it was better than you originally thought. And that's usually the telltale sign of some good mechanics. Yeah. And some good features gameplay-wise. Like us revisiting NBA Live 10. How many games have we played now? A lot. Se several. Uh, Although I, so I, will say, I will say with 2K14 that... The criticisms I had at the time, uh, I still stand by. 
I, there are some things about the player movement, the controls, some of the exaggerated movement if you're not feathering the controls that I that I don't like, uh, and issues with my GM and my career at the time because of course they didn't bring my league in until 2K15, the more traditional mode. I, I still stand by those criticisms, but at the same time, the actual experience on the sticks I'm enjoying a lot more. And and, and to your point, it uh, shows that even if I do have some quibbles here and there with some of the movement or the animations or whatnot, it, it still held up pretty well and. and it does have some of the same AI quirks and such as 2K14 last gen, which is to say PC, PS3, um, uh, Xbox 360. But it, it, it plays pretty well. I, I can dust it off now and I can enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I think there's an added... I feel like there's added motivation because... And I know this sounds silly, but I'm noticing it in my games, which I talked to you about. There's almost added motivation because of the new top 10 we keep posting. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I know... That sounds silly, but every time something really nice happens on a game, I've connected now with Stildo33, who's at One Kidney Kidney on uh, Twitter. Um, I've I played a game, a couple games with him through Parsec on NBA 2K19. I've connected with Hornets on Fire from the NBA 2K19 modding group for the retro rosters, and we played a couple games. Um, and I've connected with Simon Lee, who's been active in the 2K17 and 16 sections of the NLSC. So I've been getting a bunch of people to download Parsec and every time something happens and we're on a chat, they say that's top 10. Like when something nice happens or, um, Oh, we got to get a better angle of that because that could be top 10 and stuff like that. So when you're uh, a content creator, I think it can make a game that might seem a little less meaningful, like exhibition games or something like that, or play now it can make it more meaningful. Oh yeah, because you have yeah. yeah. So like you sent me, you sent me a uh, highlight of Clyde Drexler doing a crossover and then throwing it down on the opposite side of the hoop, and I believe we even got a um, got the replay captured as well, um, the close up replay, and, and that is a replay that definitely could go into the top ten. And I know that one of your thoughts was Derek will like this one because he loves Clyde Drexler, but also this might be a top ten dunk. Oh yeah, so it is kind I, of I was thinking that when it happened. Obviously, again, yeah, I'll send it to you because, as you said, you love you love Clyde Drexler and it would be uh, enjoyable. And, and the '95 Finals was was a great outing for him. Obviously, winning his first championship alongside Hakeem winning his second. But yeah, I, I saw that and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll definitely keep some of these highlights. And I actually regretted not saving more of the game to make a reel out of it. I, I was thinking that, and I actually even the CPU had a couple of nice plays which I captured as well, just to have have on hand because i may want to do a video essay or something and, and it, it always pays to take screenshots and capture video when possible when you're a content creative because you never know when when it's going to be useful and, and certainly with with certain things these days uh with, with servers going offline if if i want to talk about the the neighborhood for example in 2k 18 or 19 fortunately i do have footage of that but i, I can't go back to that now and get new new footage because the servers are offline. So always get that uh, get that media. And then just perfect example of why the reels, the highlight reels can be so awesome is how about that game we had on Live 10 between the Supersonics and the Bulls for 0405? Very satisfying. Uh, yeah. That's a really satisfying game. And just to capture it, how many times did we watch the highlights after they were posted? Multiple um, just yeah, to like, after you sent it to me, I watched it a few times, I must admit. Yeah, yeah, it's just really cool to look back on it, because while you're in the moment, some things um, you don't notice, right? And 
you know, you look back on it and you look at some of the plays that were being made and some of the clutch shots and the four threes in a row back to back to back to back in the uh, in the third quarter. And you're looking at this stuff and it's like, wow, this was a really, really good game. And um, I think both of us felt it at the time. We, like, we while did, we were playing, yeah. This is, a, this is a good game and it's going to be really fun to post. Um, and I really think those highlights are resonating with people and nothing looks better than human versus human gameplay. Oh, for, now, the for AI sure. Will yeah. Never, yeah, the AI, a simulation just with computer versus computer, will never be able to equal the quality of human versus human. I mean, so. it, we talked last week about how the the surprising authenticity of, of the retro teams when we put them together, um, the highlights were very satisfying. The, yeah, the Sonic series, yeah. They the, look so nice. That that move I made with Othello Harrington, the the fake and then the slip around on, on the spin uh just looked very slick uh live 10 doesn't have the most animation quality but it's it's got some nice animations when and when they when something looks good it looks really good so that was uh, really nice to see just a great shootout with uh, i didn't realize how many points you put up with alan and uh and lewis well, i knew seven. yeah I, I knew you yeah. were gunning away and I, I just couldn't stop either of them but then i saw the the stats at the end like whoa yeah <laughs> you almost dropped 50 on me with uh, with ray allen there uh, ben Gordon with that big shot down the down the stretch. We both got screwed over a couple of times with the uh, standing out of bounds um, and, and getting a cheap turnover that way. And of course, you know, Live Ten does have its primitive moments, but primitive by current standards anyway. But f- for the most part, it was enjoyable. It was competitive. It's clean as all our games are. Um, yeah, uh, really satisfying to play. But I, I was pretty happy to win that game because it was the Bulls, obviously. But I'm looking at some of the other matchups that we've got planned. A lot of people interested in the Clippers and the Mavericks from 2002, but also the Nuggets and uh, and uh, Hornets from 2008, which were the other poll options as well. So looking forward to getting stuck into them. Uh, might be a tough one, some of those teams, uh, depending on which one I have. The 2007 uh, Valentine's Day matchups, another one we have because of the uh, red jerseys that the uh, Hornets had. The, the OKC red jerseys are in Live 10, and that's the only game they're officially in a couple of years after they were actually used that one time in that one game. So, yeah, lots of fun things that we're looking forward to doing in, in Live 10, as we've said before. But that's that Sonic's Bulls game turned out really well, and that was obviously anticipated with the poll. So, yeah, I, I hope people enjoy it. You can check it out on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, lots of great highlights in that one. Yeah, I want to bring up a couple of things. Uh, one, you mentioned simple controls. Um, it, a lot of times simple controls is just better because control is the most important, right? And when your controls are simple, um, a lot of times what happens is, is you have more control over the action. There's you know, Most of the time there's less um, canned animations. Uh, there's less um, issues that you can have by having all of these different animations that can play out as opposed to a few different ones. Uh, so, like, I personally like the idea of more simple controls, and I think that actually plays into Live's tech. Live Ten's favor as a incredibly easy to pick up and play game. Mm, true. Uh, I think you, I think NBA Live Ten diving into it um, like we did, we were able to even though even though I hadn't played it really at length for years, um, I was able to dive into it and get comfortable pretty quick. And even our early highlight reels of when we were first playing against each other, um, they're still solid Agreed, uh, because. Yeah. Because we're we're we were we felt comfortable pretty fast. Uh, as far as the um, 
the matchups. I'm really looking forward to using the 0708 Nuggets against you. Uh, that's one of my favorite teams of all time. Uh, I look forward to pummeling you with Iverson and Mello and Camby and Kenyon Martin. Well, and I can say it. Yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> I can see it coming. Uh, yeah. And then the 02 Mavericks are my brother Mark's favorite team possibly of all time with with Nash and and Dirk and Finley and Sean Bradley uh, and whatnot. Now, we're not going to be able to get Sean Bradley on there. But like we talked about, you know, for a couple important missing players, if we can make them accurately uh, ratings wise, I'm okay with somebody who looks like him from the broadcast angle. Yeah. Uh, because I think Sean Bradley's a little bit too important to not have on the roster. And you've got, you've got Rafe as well. So that's, uh, you've always got Rafe LeBron's. Um, that, that, that will be fun to play. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about it because we have been having such a, f- a fun time with Live 10 and it's been such a retro kick for the, both of us that's lasted for weeks now. Uh, hopefully people aren't getting tired of us uh, talking about it. Hopefully our enthusiasm and passion <laughs> makes it a less repetitive topic for everyone. But what's really fresh for me with this is because I was in a situation where unless my cousin was down, we, I wasn't playing co-op or competitive play, basically, at, at this time. I was playing against the CPU, and I would have preferred to have a Dynasty game, franchise game. And at that time, Live 10's uh, Dynasty was, was kind of weak. The simulated stats are really off. Uh, Dwight Howard's a covered player. He barely averages 10 points a game, <laughs> thanks to the, the broken sim engine in Live 10 and, and things like that. So this is actually a very fresh experience for me, playing some head-to-head like this. And it, it's why it'd be great to get some other stuff working as well. But Live 10 is kind of our, our go-to and our fallback option and not, not a bad one to have at all. But another reason that I really didn't get into 10 as much at the time, obviously I was a bit miffed that it wasn't on PC and I was playing uh, updated Live 06 on, on PC, which I'd updated myself as part of the NBA Live PC project back in the day. But around about the time of NBA Live 10, I was obviously covering the previous season. And one of my contacts on the development team at the time said, hey, start a thread in the NLSC forum, start a topic, and we'll do weekly Q&As with you. So I did that. And weeks went by, and it just kind of fell through. I never really got an explanation as to why. I was left holding the bag. I was left looking like a fool, like saying, hey, look, you know, we're going to have developers here to answer some questions. And then nothing. And so it kind of soured me a bit on NBA Live 10. And I had a similar situation with 2K14, again, a game that I've been able to go back to and appreciate more uh, in, in recent times, uh, even the last few years, but certainly this year as well, when I've been picked it up a couple of times, is that around about that time, you know, Live was coming back, I was excited to see it, Live 14 was what it was, unfortunately, but at the time, a lot of the 2K developers were really ripping into it and making fun of it, and, and in a way that was, I mean, you understand there's a rivalry there, and there's been some articles written about the, the really intense sort of, you know, people at 2K really liking sticking it to EA because of a deal that fell through with Madden back in the day. But anyway, the, the comments were very, I felt, unprofessional and nasty. And it kind of soured me on 2K14. And it may sound very petty of me to say, but I went into 2K14 like, all right, guys, you've been making fun of Live 14. This better be a really good game. And when I started noticing issues right off the bat, right out of the gate... I was like, yeah, yeah, you're making fun of this, and you know, and you and you got microtransactions in my GM, and and my careers, the the stories on rails, and and everything else. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of went into it with a bit of a sour attitude. I'll admit. I was wondering if you've ever had external. I mean, obviously there was some gameplay stuff as well and, and mode stuff, but have you ever had something with a game that's kind of tainted your opinion until you've been able to get over it, as I have? 
Well, a couple things. As far as what happened with Live 10 and that that topic and all of that stuff, uh, the people that pull that stuff and, you know, you're left to kind of basically deal with it and you don't Look get foolish. the support that yeah. Those people are not worth your time. And at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to look in the mirror for pulling that stuff. And it's the same thing with anybody that shows that lack of care, um, lack of follow through, or in the case of what they were doing with NBA 2K14, um, you know, with Live 14, etc., um, bullying. You know, those people have to look in the mirror and they're not worth it. Uh, I will say that um, I've been incredibly soured on the 2k series since 2k 18 Hmm. uh as far as the suits uh the direction um the way they've handled themselves on social media as well and that really came out as you know in that roster editing i mean excuse me the roster issues tweets that i put up um and you saw my frustration and i tagged the czar um i tagged um a bunch of people from 2k uh, mike stoffer etc and a lot of my frustrations with them came out in that thread seeing you know all they've done is try to you know market their game and market it uh, um, a lot of times fraudulently um take advantage of people with the microtransactions um keep amping that up uh you know make it more about fit and less about the gameplay and t- tell reviewers who review them poorly to change it to change the reviews all this stuff and you know, I'm looking at all of this and the cockiness and the Sim Nation stuff and all of that, and I'm just I'm looking at David Wesley with like a 95 on alley oop um, tendency, and I'm looking at Jermaine O'Neal with like a zero post up tendency, and Carlos Boozer at a zero, and you know stuff we've talked about on the podcast in the past. Uh, Glenn Rice with a zero tendency on three point shooting, and I'm looking at these classic teams and the retro teams and all of the, uh, the, excuse me, in the all-time teams, I'm just looking at all the BS, and I'm looking at all the spreadsheet copy and paste, and I'm looking at the disrespect for all of those teams and players from the past, etc. And I am angry. Yeah. Like, I got actually angry about it. So kind of like you, yeah, you know, I go into those games, I'll go into 2K20, and I'll go into 2K21, like I did, and it magnifies the issues that I have with the game even more because I know the lack of care and the way they handle themselves, right? And stuff like that. So, yeah, to answer your question, that's definitely happened with me. And like I said, you saw that come out in the roster issues thread. Um, it's a, it, Honestly, it's a damn shame. It, it, it is. really is. Yeah. The bullying, like I said, the bullying and the way they they act about it and the – the, the lack of care for the consumer and the stuff they pull. I mean, those guys have to look in the mirror. Those guys and gals have to look in the mirror every day. And that's, you know, that's, it's just a damn shame. And, and here's the thing. I mean, the, the people that they're making fun of at EA at the time, uh, that actually included uh, Scott Gallagher, who then went to work for 2K with them. So, I mean, the people you're making fun with can end up being your coworkers. So it's one of those things where, professionalism goes a long way and, and that really did rub me the wrong way about 2k14 but i've kind of gotten over that obviously a long time in the past 
um, now, scarily. And uh, I've gone back and I've enjoyed the game. And it's been really refreshing to play these games and just, just enjoy them for what they are. Uh, we've talked about it before, how the pressure is off. You can look at them with fresher eyes when there's no longer that pressure of this is the new game that I'm going to be playing for the next 12 months, so it has to be good, and this is what I've been anticipating. All of that, that's gone. I mean, you go back and you notice the, the bad as well, but you can sometimes just say, okay, this is what it is. I can enjoy it despite the issues, which, I mean, NBA Live 10 is pretty solid. Very solid, a, a fun game, and a, a, fun, a pretty well-made game in many respects. But, yeah, obviously it does have its issues uh, that were present at the time. Uh, the alley-oop issue, for example, uh, as well as things that haven't aged as well. But it's also aged very well in other ways. So it's been really fun to go back and play it, as, I, as I've said, through many shows now. And it, it continues to be a, a joy to go back and play NBA Live 10 with all these different scenarios. I mean, it was fun enough just doing it with the rosters from the 2010 season. But now that we've got all these fantasy teams ideas, again, we, we haven't really tried any of the all-point guard teams or all-center teams or anything like that yet, but I think there's just so much fun in the retro that we're just trying to do all kinds of crazy stuff with it that, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so glad, again, that that game worked out as well as it, uh, as well as it did. Uh, if nothing else, I got a win with my Bulls, um, and it, it's made up because you've got a... The record's kind of one-sided. You've, you've definitely beaten me more times than I've beaten you, so... But, but I got a, I got a win with the Bulls, and I managed to just just eke it out. I mean, Alan scored yeah. forty seven on me. We're good sports. Yeah, that's that, that goes a long way. Um, I do want to point out too; it also makes a huge difference playing with a friend. It does. So uh, that's been really good. And I did want to bring up Parsec because I've had people asking me about it. Actually, a couple of people messaged me on Twitter asking, you know, more details on how it works on the connection. And oh, wait, can you really play any game off someone's desktop? And the answer is yes. Andrew and I will tell you that. Um, but I did, like I said, I connected with a few other people. Um, one of them lives in China. One of them lives in France. And one of them lives in Indiana, in the U.S. And um, the person who lives in Indi- Indiana, which I don't mind just saying, it's Stildo, um, Stildo 33. Um, our connection is flawless. He has zero lag. You saw he was in actually the top ten for throwing an inbounds alley-oop to D. Brown. Mm, that was really uh, cool. Yeah, we've played three games, and we've actually posted all three. Um, all three of them have been posted to YouTube, either mine or yours, um, or the NLSC YouTube. And he has zero lag. And I live an hour outside of Boston, so we're not really that close to each other. It is unbelievable how great that program is, and he was smitten in it with it. He's just like, "This is unbelievable. I can't believe we can do this." And I can't believe how well it works. And it looks perfect on his end. Um, so that's how good it can work, folks. Oh, it's just, I, it's unreal. Absolutely. And, and actually, we actually were using it. Uh, you were showing me some uh, some modding techniques for 2K17. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll get into that in a second, too. Um, but no, and then I played with um, someone who lives in France. And one time I was the host. And then the second time he was the host. And while he was the host, I did have a little bit of lag. And um, I think it's because his, uh, I don't know if his upload speed is as good mm. as mine, but, uh, or it could be something related to the host settings. I'm not 100% sure. But um, we did get a game in, and while I did have a little bit of lag, it was still pretty fun. Um, when I was the host, I had no lag, and he had a little bit of lag, but you can, you can put it on real player field goal percentage, and it kind of gets rid of the shot timing issue and it puts you more on a level playing field. So that's something that you and I are going to have to try to at some point. But, and then I played with somebody who lives in China 
and um, the connection was pretty solid at first. Um, and then for some reason, Parsec just wasn't working at all. And I think it's because he needed to restart or I needed to restart. And then we just never connected again. But listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, Parsec is the best program I've ever used to connect with people around the world to play video games. Um, it blows away steam play together by yeah. a pretty yeah. Mars. Um, still do. Um, still do, uh, excuse me, and Hornets on Fire both said that they couldn't even play on the 2K servers, as in they wouldn't work. So to be able to play any game using Parsec um, and have that stability is pretty awesome. And yeah, I was able to, um, you were looking at modding NBA 2K17, and I said, hey, just hop on Parsec. We connected in a split second, then I was able to show you some techniques and share some stuff with you. Like you said, my screen looks great on your end. Uh, it's just it's just wild how clean it is. It basically. is. It's just, and it's, uh, it's so away. Yeah. There are a few things, unfortunately, that I have to work out there because of uh, uh, the, the cheat tables and when the rosters came out what and the rosters that they're compatible with and everything. But that aside, you're able to show me the basics, how, how it actually worked and how it should work when everything when all the files are compatible. So... That was great. Now, obviously, appreciate you taking the time to do that because I hit you off out of nowhere on Twitter and said, "Hey, I'm uh, thinking of doing a uh, quick little thing on 2K17. How do I do it?" And you and you showed me, and it's uh, yeah, just such a useful tool, obviously, for that. And uh, even, even while you're editing the highlights, actually, after our games, and, and we're just watching it back together, or the other week when we were going through the live ten uh, faces, you know, just just doing that, it, it's you kind of have that shared experience, which is uh, is really cool. And now you have action. So you have Merlis Action and you have Movavi. Uh, Andrew was able to pick that up. I, I think we mentioned that on the last podcast. So, um, yeah, if, you know, if you start playing those games and I'm not around and you want to take highlights and everything and look at them like the way that I do and the way I show you when you're connected to me, I mean, that's going to be an option now. So that's pretty cool. Uh, absolutely. So there's a couple of things we wanted to talk about this week uh, that we've been on our minds as, as we've uh, played games and, and seen things in the community this week but just want to touch real quick on uh, something that's happened with the latest patch for next gen 2k21 uh, they've added a cpu opponent to the uh, to the to rookieville there's now a one-on-one -on -one court where you can go to a, and play a cpu opponent if there's no online opponents to play to level up your rep to get into the city in the most literal gatekeeping that i've ever seen <laughs> in my career quite frankly i've wrote a whole article about that two in fact Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City and Rookieville was a terrible idea in the Monday tip-off. Go back and check those out if you uh, care to do so. Um, yeah, it's it's really, Derek, it, it really is a gatekeeping measure, the idea that you have to play these online games to unlock the city. And, and keep in mind, if you're just playing the NBA side of, uh, of my career, you don't have to go to the city, but it's also where you get the daily bonuses. It's where you can get some extra VC by playing the daily pick'em game. So there's it's reasons. And yeah. drive you right it's a way to get you online more and drive you to where they want to drive you to exactly really so if you want to do that you need to unlock the city to do that you need to play online now it, it it takes about two or three games maybe four or five to unlock the city and this is something i've stressed in my articles it's not difficult to do but if there's no other people online at the time to play the online games with in the rookieville docks it is impossible because you can't play a game. You can't, if there's no one around to play a game with, you can't play games. Thus, you can't get the my rep and level up. So it's, it's a design flaw. I talked about that in my articles. 
So that so they've added a CPU opponent. And and really this is something they should have seen coming because when the game was new, everyone's jumping in there, everyone's new, everyone's gotta get into the city so they start at the Rookieville docks. As the game as a few months pass and the game gets a bit older, then there's less new people coming into my career or they've already played through the story so they can just get straight into the city, they've already unlocked it, so there's less people to play with. Again, such a big design flaw. Now they have fixed it, that's really nice that they have done. Uh, done that, it's taken them, you know, almost to the release of uh, 2K22, you know, that we're only, what, three or four months out from that now, if that. So it really should have been foreseen and fixed earlier. I hope they do away with it in 2K22, or they really think a bit more about how that system works, because, yeah, they, they, just, they just did not think that one through. That was also the longest 44 megabyte update in the history of 44 megabyte Oh, on the PC version, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what that was all about. Um, but both of us, it took how long? Probably 10 plus minutes. At least 15 on, me, on my part, yeah, I think. For it to go through on Steam, that was very odd. I, I think the whole online scene is just so toxic now, uh, and the way it's structured and where they're trying to push gamers, uh, it's really frustrating because the, the mechanics that they have now online is um, it's basically forcing people to do things they don't want to do but it makes them go to those places and it makes them stay on the game longer. It makes them grind more, right? Um, and stuff like that just drives me absolutely insane. And, it, and it's gone away from, um, you know, what's best for the consumer to um, how long can we keep this consumer online at all costs, right? Yeah. Can, and, can we get them to spend? Can we get them to spend? Right. How much money? Right. And, and if they get so frustrated about this grind, maybe they'll spend some more money, right? And that's what's what it's about more now. Uh, you know, well, that's actually one reason why I like going back and playing those old games with you and, and with my brothers too as well, is because you know that when those games were being designed, like say NBA Live 10, you know that when that game was being designed, they weren't doing that, stu that stuff, right? Well, it wasn't a thing yet. So no. what they were, right, it wasn't a thing yet. So basically what they're doing in NBA Live 10, and you can tell because of how much fun we've had you know, going back and playing it, is they tried to give you the best, the consumer the best experience possible on the sticks. And um, they you know, paid extra attention to detail, in my opinion, on NBA Live 10 overall. We talked about the cyber faces and everything and the atmosphere and the chants, the boos, and all of that stuff. Um, they were really pushing to give consumers that better experience back then in those games and now it now it's all about the dollar yeah. the almighty dollar and it's all and, and it's just a damn shame it, the pressure has been mounting over the years people always say why weren't you complaining about microtransactions x amount of years ago they weren't as bad or people people were complaining and they, and they were being silenced as they still are now and well you know we'll I get, hate that. We, oh, we, we, we can get to that in a moment I, absolutely but the, the pressure has been mounting and so the complaints have been mounting as well and we actually, you pointed out a, a tweet to me uh, this week that, that, that blamed the community for microtransactions, which to me is just a, a baffling, uh, the word gaslighting is, is overused these days, and, and it, you know, that's, I sort of don't want to use that one, it may not even really be appropriate here, but it's, it's certainly shifting the blame onto the wrong people. This, it's all on the develop. well, the suits really, not, not on, on the actual people working on the basketball side of the game, that they're kind of at the mercy of the suits on this uh, topic, but it is absolutely the developer, the studio, 
and the executives that are responsible for microtransactions, recurrent review mechanics, whatever you want to call them, it's not the gamer's fault. And and to blame the gamer is... I, I mean, it, that's up there with some of the worst real basketball takes we've seen. He doubled up, too. He doubled up uh, on another tweet that I didn't share with you, um, saying that it's the consumer's fault for being basically go wanting to go online and play that's basically what he was saying it was like it, it's the consumer's fault they allowed you know they wanted to go online they allowed it to go on for this long and they're the ones who made it worse basically it's like how absolutely mindless is that take and that's the take in- of a shill that is a shill's take quite frankly that is a huge shill take yeah exactly that is a giant shill take um i have so many feelings about that uh, the microtransaction BS would be happening at the rate it's happening regardless right now, because that's the company's direction. Exactly. Right. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with the community being enablers. There's only been one option in the basketball gaming space for, for like one real option with depth in the basketball gaming space. What else were they going to play? NBA 2K did nothing but promote basically the online modes. That's basically what they've been trying to push constantly in order to get people onto those, um, get people online and get people on my team, etc. Spending that money, they've put the gambling mechanics in the game. How can you blame the consumers? And the consumers have been speaking out even since the beginning of this. But obviously, when they ramped it up more, more like you stated. In 2K18, more people are going to start complaining. And that's where the negative reviews come in. That's where the Metacritic scores of a 1 or a 1.5 or a 2 come in. That's where all of those complaints come from. Him saying it's people's fault is laughable because if you actually look at it, people have been shouting from the rooftops how much BS the microtransactions have been and the gambling mechanics. They've been shouting from the rooftops since 2K18. And it's still there. So, no, it's not the people's... They're not listening to the people, right? Uh, yeah, because if and, they and were listening... And it's not people, cheating. Would, the, 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 the original pilot. argument was that, it, that cheating in 2K11 brought VC into the game. No, realizing that you could put a grind into the game and encourage gamers to... Or, or frustrate gamers, rather, into the position where they would actually pay because that is a big thing. There are seminars... Uh, Jim Sterling, we, we, I reference their videos a lot, obviously. They have talked about this many times, the, the pressure of gambling mechanics and uh, and, and um, uh, time-saving mechanics and all kinds of things with microtransactions, etc., is that they realize that you know, developers en masse, not just 2K, this is, a, this is industry-wide, realized if we design the games this way, we can get people to pay to make it a bit easier. And... We, we've seen in 2K21 Next Gen when they introduced the W, the career mode for for the WNBA, that doesn't have any microtransactions. You can do that. You can design it that way. It doesn't need to be that way. And it's got an online component too. But they know that it's not going to be as popular, so they don't have microtransactions in it. Now, if it ever got as that popular, who's to say? But they know that it can be a cash cow. It is absolutely nothing that the community has done. The community goes along with it because, again, like you said, not much choice. But, yeah, it's such an asinine point uh, blaming the community for corporate greed. Ridiculous. Listen, listen, people. How many free games are out there right now? 
a lot. Why are free games being released constantly? Because they're loaded with microtransactions and these companies are still making a ton of money off of these games based on the microtransactions. A ton. Like, they're, they're making it off of a game like Warframe. Warframe has been free for a long time. So I'm talking about all these free games on mobile, free games on Steam, etc. There's a ton of them. But what these companies know is that if, for somebody to advance, they're going to make the mechanics in those games um, very um, grindy, number one. And if you want the coolest stuff, you're going to have to pay, right? No, uh, Basically you either have to pay for them or you're going to have to grind so hard that you're going to pay for them anyway, no matter what, because you don't want to spend, you don't have the time to spend five, eight hours a day or whatever on the game. Why? This is how you have to think about it. 2k has their base price of the game, but they know they are. Think about how much money they're making off of those microtransactions. Million off of, yeah, it's, it's, it's an unheard of amount. Um, it's insane. So I want you to think about that when you think about the microtransactions and the gambling mechanics and all the BS and the grind with NBA 2K. Think about all the co- companies right now that are releasing games for free, knowing that there's all of these grinding, the, um, the, gr- the grinding mechanics in the game and that the rare stuff or advanced stuff or the cool-looking stuff they throw behind a paywall and those companies still make a ton of money. Otherwise you wouldn't release a game for free. Right. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's just unreal. I, I mean, I could go on about this for a while. I shared that tweet with you and your immediate reaction was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, because so, I mean, look, yeah, if theoretically as a community, we could abstain from buying VC at all. Okay. Yes. We could take a stand. Unlikely, People with too much disposable income, they've got nothing else to spend it on uh, except gaming will do it. Um, And so it's going to be profitable for them. The whales are going to carry the economy, if nothing else. But to blame the community for bringing it in in the first place and saying that it's your fault, no. It's it's not online cheating. It's not something the community is tolerating or wanting or asking for. Uh, It was a complete shill argument uh, dismissing again corporate greed, dismissing the suits, uh, putting their two cents in, and saying, "Oh, you know, this, this game has to uh, you know, make mon- money, make recurrent revenue. So if it's not about recurrent revenue, don't focus on it. And and, and if it's if it's going to eat into the profits, take it out. We've seen that happen. We've seen the nerfing of the VC and everything else. Uh, blaming blaming the community is uh, pathetic. It's asinine." It's it, it's pretty disgusting, to be honest. And, and look, we've talked about toxicity in the community, and, and that's a thing. But, and, and yes, we could take a stand against, theoretically, it's harder, easier said than done to boycott anything. But we could take a stand against microtransactions. But the way they're designed, that's it's by design that they're pressuring people into gambling mechanics and skipping the grind. It's the way the games are designed that comes from above, that doesn't come from gamers, uh again such a ridiculous why would you put it out there what a what a what a dumb what a dumb thought to put out there the only way his comment his statement would hold true is if people literally over the last few years were rating the games incredibly high like the user scores were incredibly high and the complaints about microtransactions were not only minimal 
but people were asking for more. That's how crazy the take is. Like the like people like it, it, his take could only be true. Like it being the people's fault is if you went on to Twitter, you went on to Reddit, you went on to Operation Sports, you went on to all of these different the NLSC, all these different platforms, and people were saying yes, please put more gambling mechanics in the game. Yes, please make this more grindy. Yes, I want to have to pay for this, right? That's how crazy that take is. No, what's actually been happening is, especially since 2K18, even though we did hear rumblings about it in 2K17 and whatnot, but especially since 2K18, people have been screaming from the rooftops about how unfair it is and how grindy it is and how just unfair the mechanics of those online modes are. Are. And you can see that in the user scores. You can see that on all the social, the social media um, platforms. So, no, it's not the consumer's fault. They're trying to fight it. But that's what the suits will do. It's the company's fault. And that's and the that's who are pushing this. Where's, so. most of the, where's the most of the cheating taking place as well? On PC. Where are most of the gamers? On console. So where is this cheating coming through? And when they when they introduced VC, it wasn't in the PC version of 2K13. It was only on the console where they didn't have the cheating. So again, it, it doesn't. It's revisionist history as much as anything else. It doesn't even make sense. So yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just one person's opinion. We can all put our, we can all tweet whatever we want, um, irrespective of how accurate it is. But I, I hate to see that. I hate to see blaming the community. There's a lot of things we can call out within the community mod stealing uh you know toxicity in online play absolutely this you know this is classic this ain't it chief this ain't it chief how about a positive uh top 10 this week was pretty good that's true that's true uh i i will I say I, I will say that that uh the 10th the uh, number 10 play my uh gordon spinning layup that was meant to be a pull-up jumper but i'll, I'll take it I was about to say something about that. So I was playing NBA Live 15, and um, I had just installed it on my Series X because I had it on my Xbox One, so I had to install it on the Series X. And they, you know how they go, they put you through the tutorial at the beginning, and you're using Damian Lillard? Yep. So I'm using Damian Lillard, and it says, here are your takeoff points. And it shows, like, a gray area of where you need to push the button, and it, it will initiate a drive. Triggers and on, guess yeah. how far? Yeah, and guess how far out that gray area was? About to the free throw line. Yeah. So free throw then free throw line extended on the corners and baseline. And it made me think of that Ben Gordon layout. Because that's really what happened is you push the button in a probably 15 to 17 foot out range. And instead of the game saying, okay, Andrew, you can pull up, you were in that area that that gray area and it forced you into that drive um like you said sometimes the final result is all right and of course that ended up being a really sweet looking play so it actually made the top 10 but um that that is one of the frustrating things sometimes with video games is that launch point and i know 2k18 was terrible for it it really bothered me like you would be launched like 20 feet from the hoop you'd push the shoot button and it would launch you into like this crazy floater animation or into this drive. Um, it is one of the frustrating things with the games. But, but uh, then, then you go back to a live 2000 or 2001 and you're putting up that weird floater or that, or that leaning runner because it doesn't trigger out far enough. Right. And that's probably why they even started making that change. Good point. Making yeah. it trick because how many times do you end up behind the hoop in those old live games? <laughs> yeah. Because that... 
uh, sends you flying. But overall, the, t- the top 10 was really good, I felt. This week, we got some submissions from the Live King at uh, B-Ball Video Games, the NBA Live 16 highlight. He's the guy that keeps sending us the, the real classic ones. Uh, we got 1.6K Mace, King J Mace on Twitter. Um, we have the Stilda 33, Alleyoop Dunk with D Brown. Uh, we got Big Ticket 0521. We got all, just a lot of um, or a lot of really cool highlights, and I've just I've really been really enjoying putting the top 10 together. And what's really cool is both my brothers have gotten in on it, so we'll be playing and whether it's against or on the same team and Nick and I especially will be like, that's top 10 or we need to get another angle because that's top 10. So uh, yeah, it's been really fun. It's always great to see the older games in there, see some live games, get some love. Uh, obviously uh, we, we didn't have any top plays from it, uh, but just before we get uh, onto other things, uh, NBA action 95, we, we gave that a go over Parsec. Uh, unfortunately the session was cut short because there was a, a power outage in my area. So I was without power do you know how many things, entertainment-wise, these days use power? If all I had was my phone, I had no lights. I had just the phone. <laughs> I was unfortunately because of my sleep schedule, I was up at the time. Um, yeah, all, all I had was my phone. Uh, man, man, are we reliant on power technology these days? But um, <laughs> in any case, yeah, unfortunately, it did sh- uh, cut our uh, session short with NBA Action '95 um, and, and '94. We we gave them both a go. Uh, interesting, I'll say. Interesting. Yeah, uh, so it hasn't aged particularly well. Uh, I think that we need to spend a little bit more time with them, possibly get the lag down on your end, because for some reason that emulator doesn't work as good as the PlayStation 3 one. Uh, One thing that we both appreciated and something that was kind of a new thing for you because I knew about it, but you hadn't really looked at it, was the multiple Legends teams. In both NBA Action 94 and NBA Action 95, they have legends and heroes and stars. And, you know, we put them on the floor for a second, and, you know, I'm using Dave Cowens and Rick Barry uh, and Walt Frazier and stuff like that, and it's great. And like you said, you know, people don't realize that stuff that they think is a new idea or something that's cool um, in one of the more recent games, I mean, I mean, this goes back, you know, close to 30 years now. Mm. You know, especially like NBA Action 94. So really nice touch to have Legends teams in. Yeah, one of these things that, again, and I posted uh, five corrections to previous articles in Friday Five uh, this week, or last week probably when you listen to this. And I mean, as I've expanded my collection and, and seen other games uh, one way or, or another, I, I have learned about things that I didn't know. Again, growing up mostly playing NBA Live and Jam and some other titles here and there you learn about what some other titles were doing and, and actually on top of everything else not only did i not have a uh, sega uh, console back in the 90s that, that game didn't even come out in australia that was a, a u.s exclusive or north american exclusive the nba action games so i wouldn't have grown up with them uh, anyway even if i did have a sega but it was really cool to see uh, again do, doing things way before even nba live was doing them and, and we've we've seen quite a few of those things shot meters in uh, NBA Inside Drive 2000, uh, so some of the things that NBA Action 98, a.k.a. NBA uh, Fast Break 98, was doing in uh, 1997. Uh, very cool. Uh, Action 94, I thought, held up a little bit better. Uh, I liked the isometric view, but I-, I didn't like it rotating. It was a bit stiff rotating. Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to turn that rotation off, which I don't believe you can. Um, I also prefer NBA Action 94 over 95. A couple of reasons. Uh one, because I like the camera view better. I've never been a fan fan of the 2K type cam, mm. the um, 
hovering over uh, behind baseline him. to baseline. Yeah. Yeah. I think the animations are cleaner in NBA Action 94 as well, and I think there's more options. You actually have a pump fake, bu- a pump fake button in Action 94, and like almost like a dribble drive button as well. Uh, I think that NBA Action 94 just has better looking action and better feeling action overall. Uh, I also prefer actually the graphics as well. Yeah, NBA Action 95 um, feels like they went in an almost entirely different direction, not only with the camera view, but the player models and whatnot and the animations. I, I will say that that Longley dunk that I shared where you outletted it to him and he threw it down a one-handed dunk, I thought that looked really cool. That felt good. I loved that, yeah. Um, I, I like the um, the shooting animations too in Action 95. They're not bad. I, I think that the the gameplay feels... I think we need to spend a little bit more time in it. It just feels a little bit too simple. And I know we were talking about how we enjoy simple, but uh, it felt to the, it felt very, I don't know how to put it. it uninspired. Right. Hmm. Like I feel like you can play NBA live 95 and then be live 96 and you can get inspired by the action. Like there's a certain yeah. pace. It. there's there's a certain pace to it there's a certain way that you go up for a dunk there's a certain way you can run forward on shots you know what i mean like do runners on that on that game uh shoot in the mid-range you know you have your little hooks in the paint and all of that stuff and it it has a little bit more substance i feel like nba action 95 is missing the substance um i get a little bit more of that out of action 94 but i am glad that we revisited it and i think that we just need to spend a little bit more time maybe with both of those games Sure, you know, and it's it's always fun to revisit these games and give them a second or third look. You know, obviously I've changed my mind. Well, not changed my mind about Live 10, but got, gained more of an appreciation for it. Uh, got over the sourness with uh, 2K14, PS4, X1, and, and been able to enjoy that. And, and other games as well that, that I've been able to... Even a game like 2K11, as I've said before, how I struggled to really adapt to that because of the isomotion controls coming, trying to come from the right stick dribbling of, of Live at the time... Uh, it is always worth giving those games a second look. When you can, when you can tell that the game that it's a, that there is greatness in the game, but it's just there's something holding you back. Either it's not really feeling it, or you don't like the vibe, or you don't like the controls, or you're not used to them. If you're used to a, a different series, for example, definitely worth that, that second or third look. So I'm, I'm keen to give it a, a, another look, and it's a, it's a shame we don't have multiple games on the market, as we've said so many times before. Uh, I will say that Live '95 I do think holds up a lot better. Uh, whether it's the 16-bit version or the PC or even the PlayStation uh, port, which was the latest uh, of the releases, I believe. I think it's actually got the post-trade deadline rosters, the PlayStation version of NBA Live 96. Um, so I have to do, double-check that, because the the PC version has always been my go-to, because that's the one I had uh, back in the day, that and um, Super Nintendo. But uh, there is some interesting stuff with the PlayStation version of uh, NBA Live 96, which I'll uh, get to in a way back Wednesday at, at some point. But... You know, you brought up the simplicity, and that, that's that's been something we've talked about before and on this episode again. Uh, you you also look at uh, realistic stats and realistic performance and whatnot, and whether and, and whether it's fun to necessarily get. And there's all different kinds of fun that you can have with basketball video games. And I, I've had a lot of fun tweaking the sliders and and playing in a style that results in more realistic stats. But sometimes, if you get too hung up on it, I found it it, it, it can take away from the fun. Yeah, realistic stats don't always equal realistic play, and they don't always re- um, equal fun either. In fact, in, in a lot of cases, it can be the opposite. Uh, I, I think that there's 
a l- way too much emphasis on trying to achieve a realistic stat at um, at the perils of it, how do I put it? It basically it, it, it hurts the gameplay the changes that are made in order to achieve realistic stats often. Like you'll lower the shooting to something that's unrealistic for a player or a team or just overall for both teams in order to achieve a more realistic final score. Mm. But then at the, and then when you're playing with those players and you're playing in that action, are you into the action or are you worried about running too high of a score? Right. Yeah. Like, are you scoring points with a person are you worried about the score getting too high are players missing shots that they would normally make because things had to be dragged lower in order to try to achieve a more realistic score uh the way i look at it is if you want realistic sim stats a lot of times the uh where i can see you making sacrifices is if you're doing like computer versus computer but if you're playing human versus human or you're playing human versus computer and you want a truly competitive game and you want the it more like a kind of like a realistic yet fun game of basketball, then you can take that way too far and you may have a realistic final score at the end of the game, but and you may be able to cherry pick some of the stats and say, hey, well, this was realistic. This stat was realistic. But how was the on-court experience? Was it fun? Was mm. it actually realistic? Or did you just get to a realistic score? So um, I think that the, all of those things need to be factored in. And people can play the way they want. If, if, if that's the way they enjoy it and, they're, and the way they get their, you know, their enjoyment or their kicks or whatnot is to have a realistic final score and then cherry-picked realistic stats, and they don't, know, they don't really care that much how they got there, then I think that's great. Like, that's good. You know, you play that way. But I do think that sometimes people do take it too far. I've done, and I agree, and I've done it both ways. I've been very cavalier about uh, realism of stats and whatnot, and I've also been uh, kind of more of a stickler for it and and adjusted some sliders or adjusted my play style. And, yeah, I can can attest to going out of my way for a realistic stat to the point where I've either lost a game or, or I've been focusing, as you said, more on trying to get that final score looking right so that I can do my dynasty thread, my story thread in the forum to present that. Uh, and actually, for a while there, Honor Glow had set up a site where we could submit our box, our team stats and box scores, and that would actually uh, rank... Uh, it, it would evaluate who had the most realistic numbers. And, and mine were, were pretty realistic in that first season of my Live 06 Dynasty. And I, I was pleased with that because it wasn't really getting in the way of my, my gaming. It, it, the style was, was working for me. I, I was still competing. I was still playing the game. Uh, ben Gordon missed 20 games through injury and turned out to be this really fun experience. Um, <laughs> you know, Being without my best player and having to compensate for that and signing Latrell Sprewell uh, halfway through the season to, uh, to, to, to fill in for him and things like that. So it, it was... And that was fun. It didn't really get in the way. I also then remember going really out of my way in my live 2004 dynasty to, to really keep the scores down. And I ended up having a, a game where I beat the Jazz sixty-four to sixty-two, which, which even for the mid two thousands was a real, um, <laughs> some real store ball there. That's on twelve-minute quarters, so you can see, you can imagine how much I was slowing the pace down. That sounds nuts. That sounds incredibly unenjoyable and uninspiring. Like I just, I could like, okay, I want to give an example. NBA Live ten Bulls versus so- Sonics 05, the game we just played. At one point during that game, were you thinking about stats? 
Uh, the only thing I was worried about was trying to get the more, more points than you by the end of the game to win it, basically, yeah. Exactly. Right, but that's the goal, right? That's sport. Yeah. That's competition. So you even said, you know, at the end of the game, and you said it earlier on the podcast, you had no idea that Ray Allen had 47 points. Did I have any idea that Ray Allen had 47 points? No, I told you I was surprised. I knew he was, right I, I knew he was scoring a lot because I couldn't stop him. We just played. And we try, we played a player's strength to their ratings, all of that stuff on the court. Um, tried to play with them to the best way that would help us win. Uh, I went to Richard Lewis and I went to Ray Allen more because in my starting lineup was Jerome James and Reggie Evans. In Reggie Evans, so the great scorer uh, Jerome James and Reggie Evans. Yeah. So I naturally had to use them more, but I didn't think about rebounds during that game or assists or steals or blocks or what the final score was going to be. I was just competing with you. Yeah. Right. And how fun was that? Absolutely. We didn't care. Now, what was more fun, that or you stalling to try to get 64-62? So, like... I mean, I, I would that, say that that was fun in its own time for its own reason that I was trying to do it. Um, but I've had more fun in franchise modes. And, and certainly, it's not what I would try to do against you head-to-head. I mean, that, and that's why I've been enjoying playing more head-to-head with you. And it, it depends what you're playing and what you're doing. Look, my career, for example... Uh, in 2K19, I had a season where I averaged, as my player, myself, play, uh, averaged 66 points a game and a triple-double, okay? Now, I obviously am not good enough to make the NBA, and nobody, as, as much as Russell Westbrook has put up some numbers in recent years, he was not putting up the kind of numbers that my player was. And part of that is, yes, grinding for VC and badge points and everything, but I made it my point to just wreck the league, to just have this ridiculous year in the league, and that was fun. I didn't care about realism. And my career, you can't really, because otherwise then you give away your progress, you give away opportunities to grind VC and whatnot. But I've, as I said, I've done it both ways. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that sometimes I have gone overboard uh, trying to keep things realistic. And when I have eased up a bit and, and, and not, not worried about these stats have to be absolutely picture perfect and realistic, I, I have enjoyed it more. And I have realized over the years that there's different ways to approach the idea of sim, and certainly when you're playing 12-minute quarters, eh, sometimes it's going to be a bit inflated. Right, and I agree with that. And and like I said, I don't have a problem with anybody doing like something like that if that's really what they enjoy, and, and that's fine. But I think that it can creep into roster making mm. and whatnot. And, you know, do we want we want the sim stats to be as realistic as they possibly can be, but how does that player feel on the floor uh, on the floor if you're actually using them or that yeah. team on the floor, et cetera, when you're using them? Because I think the on-court experience is going to be far more important than the numbers that you see on a paper or like generated um, sim stats wise, et cetera. Um, I'd rather, to be completely honest with you, if you sim stats and instead of averaging 27 points per game, Hakeem Olajuwon, I'd rather have him average 33 points per game and play right on the court mm. when you use him and feel right. Um, as striking opposed striking to that balance is important. But when I say it can creep into roster making, it, you know, you know, rosters that people release, if it's trying to give people a sim stats, uh, accurate sim stats, but that doesn't correlate to the players feeling right on the court. That hurts the gameplay experience mm. and it hurts that gameplay experience with those rosters. So just something to keep in mind. I don't have a problem with somebody doing that if that's what they enjoy, but I also want people to think too, the final score and just some cherry pick stats that are somewhat realistic. Doesn't mean that it's all realistic. And or, I think the or fun. action or fun 
and I think the action is more important. What actually happens on the court? So, yeah, um, no, yeah I thought that was worth bringing up. So. You know, it's an interesting point because again, I've had fun aiming for realistic stats, but at the same time, I can look back and think, I yeah, I got a bit too obsessed with that to the point where I'm playing in a way that's not natural and that I wouldn't normally play. And certainly, if I was pl- not playing against a CPU. I wouldn't be able to manipulate the results like that. And it's, it's kind of becomes like a meta game in a way, to a, a different kind of meta game to my career builds, that is. But this this meta game against the CPU to try and manipulate it into having a, a realistic result, and it can be fun, like I said. But at the same time, sometimes I've had just as much fun or more. Just okay, what can I do? Can I score a hundred points with Ben Gordon, ninety-two, very close? Or can I can I get a hundred points as my my career player, one hundred twenty-five? Um, and and people are going to say, well, that's not that much. I've scored 150, 200. Cool, absolutely. That's kind of the point, is that if it is fun, and, and if you've had fun with the game, that is the bottom line. And if you are if you are having fun manipulating the stats that way, cool. But I can I can attest that it can be fun, but you can also look back and, uh, and even at the time realize, yeah, I wasn't really playing the game so much as playing the numbers, which uh, maybe uh, foreshadowed what happens with the NBA these days, but topic for another time. Oh, I felt it was realistic. Uh, sorry, one kidney kidney still do 33. I thought it was realistic for me to hit a uh, game winner with Dana Barros on him yeah. using the uh, the uh, 91, 92 uh, Sonics. I thought that was realistic. Sorry. But I, I, I will anyway. say that um, Andres Nocioni was a little bit too athletic against you in the 05 Sonics. I, I felt like I was playing against uh, a, a different version of Michael Jordan. Tom maybe Chambers, like, yeah. Like the 90, 95, 96 Michael Jordan. Yeah, or maybe like late 80s Tom Chambers or, or something like that. Yeah, he um he did some damage to me. And then, of course, Hakeem Harrington, I mean, Othella Harrington, yeah. with um, a couple really nice moves. And, yeah, I just I, I loved how loose those games were that we played, um, not just the Sonics and Bulls ones, um, but the ones that we've uploaded to YouTube, uh, the other ones that we've played. And I, I, I do think that this will last quite a while longer. And mostly because the game is really pick up and play. Uh, it's a lot better than we remembered, uh, you know, revisiting it and whatnot. But it's just, again, that whole idea of you're in Australia. I live an hour outside of Boston in the U.S. And we can connect and we're friends. So yeah. I think that's going to make it last quite a bit longer. It's, it's There's a lot of novelty as well as the actual fun of the gameplay. And again, the competitiveness, the sportsmanship, the clean game. Um, yeah, nothing that we were doing to each other was, was cheap. or with, with it, the, demonic, the, the demonic possession of your controller. That was weird. Okay, but that's that's uh, <laughs> that was some kind of uh, connection issue, but uh, nevertheless. But um, no, it, it's obviously, again, been so much fun. And it's also great to see, yes, the response to our videos and thank you so much for checking them out and liking them and, and the nice comments on youtube or twitter or whatever uh, definitely love uh, seeing that stuff and that response and, and that you're enjoying uh, that it's resonating with people as much as it's been fun for us to play with but the fact that it's also inspired a few people to go back and play old favorites including live 10 i really enjoy that too yeah i mean we had somebody on twitter um trent who stated that because of our videos he went out and bought NBA Live 10 and then a couple of the, of the other older um, live games because he, we kept sharing the highlights from Live 10 and thought it looked really good. And then we had a couple other people um, quote tweet us 
uh, or comment and sta- state that they needed to pick up NBA Live 10 and then comments stating that it looks a lot better than they remembered and wow this really holds up well and hey look at this atmosphere look how crowd look how into it the crowd is and all of that stuff we just had a lot of great comments uh, nothing negative I I don't remember one negative comment about any of the NBA Live 10 gameplay videos and I think that's a testament to um, obviously the quality that we're uploading as far as like it looks good right you know, the colors and, and the crowd and um, the gameplay uh, camera angle we use. But I also think that we play to the player's strengths pretty well, and the action looks good. Like, I think we do a good job of making the action look pretty good. So I, I've really enjoyed all of the comments, and it's it's another reason why I love playing with you and being associated with the NLSC and being able to upload it to the NLSC channel and everything is because we get to take those highlights. Absolutely, and I think it's really yeah. And those will continue coming because we do enjoy that. We'll keep branching out with other games and, and try to get the Parsec working as best as it possibly can from both ends. Um, yeah, give, give some other games a, another look, like NBA Action 95, maybe some more uh, early NBA Live games as well. Be, be a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, stay tuned for more. Right, and you know what's funny about those older games really quick too, before we get to the mailbag, is... Uh just you using Pete Myers and him being more productive than Michael Jordan or number 89. <laughs> roster player, just... 89. Yeah. Uh, roster, yeah. roster player. You know, you know, actually roster player wasn't the real leader on the bulls, but Pippen was, I thought it was Pete Myers, but yeah, no. Um, yeah. The, the whole Pippen thing. I, I, I just want to bring something up really quick and we're going to talk about more about this on holding court. Uh, I'm really sick of former players selling out mm. really sick. Isaiah Thomas, Scottie Pippen, uh, and what Gilbert Arenas. I'm really sick of them selling out, um, lying, um, participating in the casual hot take BS, uh, creating drama in order to draw attention to themselves or to the now product and all of that stuff. Uh, it's gotten really old, and I look forward to our next uh, conversation on holding court because that's going to be brought up. I blame them for microtransactions, quite frankly. You bro- you blame Scottie Pippen? Yeah, might as well. Is, 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 is it the dumbest thing you've heard this week about games or, or basketball? Uh, I blame Scottie Pippen. as it was Just blame everything on Pippen. I blame Scottie Pippen for NBA Live 14, too, just mm. in general. He was in the so. game. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that being said, once again, we love the interaction. And, and to that point, uh, that does indeed bring us to the mailbag. So we're just going to do one question this week. Uh, once again, if you want to get involved with the mailbag, podcast at mb-live.com or hit us up on Twitter at the NLSC or Facebook, where we're also the NLSC, or of course the NLSC forum, wherever you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. But we do have one question this week, as I said, from uh, Molly in the forum, shout out to you, uh, asks, which aspects do you believe are yet to be implemented correctly in basketball video games, gameplay-wise? Uh, yeah, definitely some interesting things we could talk about here, Derek. Yeah, I'm going to let you start, actually, um, if you want. I think it's a great question. I think my favorite part of the question is it's tailored towards gameplay, mm. which I think most of our questions a lot of time have to do with like modes, depth, like that way and features and whatnot that don't have to do with gameplay. So I really appreciate this question, but yeah, I'm going to throw it back to you. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a wide net I'm casting here, but especially with recent games with how many canned moments there are, that feeling of authenticity on the sticks and a, a real genuine sense of a skill gap 
which we don't have. People talk about it. We kind of have things here and there. You can talk about stick aiming, shot aiming, etc. There are attempts at it. I appreciate those attempts, some more than others. But having that authenticity in the gameplay that you, you don't feel yourself... You can't see the strings. You can't see the seams. You can't see the, the sleight of hand. And obviously, video game programming, there's going to be some tricks. There's going to be some hackery going on behind the scenes to make things work and, and feel authentic when it really is some canned situations and animations. But with 2K18 onwards, you can really feel the phony moments. They really stand out. So not having those obvious two-man animations, those obvious uh, moments where you can see the, the trajectory of the ball on shots or passes just change in midair, uh, defying the laws of gravity and physics... Uh, that you can actually see the result happen in a very false way. I think that's something that we that's that trying to hide hide the working kind of thing, hide those inner workings of gameplay. I think is something that they haven't really done. And even in 2K21 Next Gen, which again they said was built from the ground up, and we talked about it before, maybe built from the ground up with the same blueprint because you can see those inner workings. And I think hiding those is going to be a big thing moving forward. Yeah, I love that answer. I think that um, mine kind of goes with that, but I think it's a little bit more specific. I, I think as far as like pinpointing one of the biggest weaknesses and something that they really haven't figured out, even going back to some of our favorite games like 2K17 and whatnot, I think the game that had the best balance for this issue that I'm bringing up is probably 2K16 and 2K15. Those are the two of the probably the games that had the best. But being able to figure out how to make the defense functional, uh, smart, so the computer AI functional and smart, and the control on defense sound um, for the user, and make it work logically and realistic to go with the offense that's coming at you. Uh, we've we've talked about, and I, I don't know how many times I've mentioned it on this podcast, you know how in the NBA 2K now, games now they have the slow motion side-by-sides? Yep. That was their way of trying to curve the ridiculously easy blow-bys that were in 2K18. So in order to curve that, what they, that what they implemented is a very, like you try to drive and you're going at full speed on your first step and then you get locked into, like what you said, a two-man canned animation slow motion side-by-side -side where you're just kind of like dragging yourself to the hoop. And that's very unrealistic and it really hurts drives to the hoop. It's also hurt the post the, the face up game where if you don't just drop the ball because a defender like bumps like brushes up against it and you, you just drop it, you get put into this slow motion side by side. And if you try to do a spin, you're put into this slow motion side by side sometimes, etc. So that and, and that so you have that which they tried to curve from 2K18 because it was too easy to blow by, and then you have brick wall defense in 2K17. So they didn't have it right with 2K17 either because you literally just like you try to turn a corner and even if you realistically do have space to get by that person, it's like a brick wall even if you're just touching their hand. Bounce off them right? or a, or a yeah, cheap charge as the, as the case may be in 2K17, right. cheap charges. So they, they didn't find that right balance there. 2K15 and 2K16 are probably the closest, I would say, to getting defense right. 
um, as far as you don't have the slow motion side by sides. If you make a quick move, um, you're rewarded by even if the defender's arm is in your space, you can still like push by and it's not like the slow motion thing or or you're not hitting a brick wall etc um there's still some issues with the defensive ai so it could be sharpened but i'd I'd say that that's the biggest thing is offensive and defensive intelligence work being smarter and working together and rewarding the user the proper way for making the right move whether it be on offense or defense so otherwise um they still haven't gotten, in my opinion, the right combination of feel for an offensive attack as far as, have you seen, you know how ridiculous sideaways and fadeaways look now often in NBA 2K21? Yeah. Right? Yeah. They have the legs kicking up and it looks weird and it's generic for a lot of the players, etc. Uh, I don't think they've achieved the right balance of control uh, for shooting. I, I'd say 2K17 was the best feel from a shooting perspective but it also had those protected shots well uh, to that right. point you know we touched earlier on the trigger zones sometimes it's it more of a, more of a live thing but it does happen in 2k as well Get, going into an animation that you really don't want because you've hit that trigger zone for a layup or a dunk and you kind of have a bit of a rocket layup or a rocket dunk or, or even just kind of a weird runner that, that doesn't look right because you've, you've just wanted to pull up but if you haven't hit the trigger properly to stop on a dime in 2K, or, or even if you have, sometimes it just goes into this weird leaner or runner because you've hit that trigger zone. So that, that's that's another one as well. Yeah, exactly. And that goes along with that control that I'm talking about that really hasn't been achieved um, at the highest level it could be. Uh, you either have games that have a nice looking, a nice feeling looking shot, you know, on the move, but then they're, the standstill shots are you know, sometimes they're protected or there's there's an issue with them, with the way they feel. You know, 2K19, every shot feels rushed. Uh, the shooting doesn't feel very good in 2K19 at all with hardly anybody in the entire game. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves with it. Uh, yeah, so I think those are probably the two areas uh, gameplay-wise. They have achieved amazing foot planning in the, in, in the past. Like we've talked about, 2K15, 16, and 17 just have absolutely amazing foot planning NBA live 10 actually has very good foot planning. Uh, you know, we feel like we have control over our moves, etc. when we're playing that game. So they've achieved that. I'd like them, you know, as a fix. And I think you can agree. We've talked about this. Um, the dribbling in the new NBA two K's is out of control. It looks ridiculous. It looks incredibly fast and unrealistically fast. How fast their hands are moving. The ball warps on the dribbling changing directions with the dribble looks very strange um and it feels even worse so um i i i really think that the the dribbling was more sound in games like 2k16 uh 2k17 2k15 it felt a lot more realistic pace wise and it was more authentic so i think that they need to go back i know that doesn't really that's not part of the question but i think they need to go back to a more realistic tighter better feeling dribble system well, when you look at things like the curry slide and uh, all those ex dribbling oh. exploits, you know it, it goes oh, to show how, how that's happened. Yeah, the two K League highlights. <sighs> they're <laughs> yeah. all they're all doing that slide, and the dribbling looks absolutely one hundred percent out of control and unrealistic. And they're just like pulling up from thirty five feet. Those highlights are driving me nuts. 
there's another one uh, that's kind of related to what we again the authenticity and less canned moments and also what we've, we've noticed in 10 and i i brought it up to you we were talking about it uh, a couple of days ago after we we finished the game but loose ball physics they kind of tried it in live 14 and then had to patch it out because it wasn't working as well as they hoped it was sort of there in 15 but again not quite as much 2k has attempted it as well but it, again they've had to put it back the ball back on a string because it, it hasn't worked out as, as well as they would have liked uh, if they can really work it out, it'd be fantastic. They haven't got it yet. But you look at something like Live 10, which which didn't have true physics, but you look at that loose ball situation we had where you poked it loose with Luke Ridnauer and we were both scrambling for it. The, the scrambling for loose balls in 2K21 feels very fake, uh, especially if you're playing against the CPU, because the CPU just, like they have magnets on the ball in their hands, just <laughs> drawing drawing it in, uh, like they've got uh, you know, psychic abilities. that um, <laughs> They can just... Uh, yeah, they can just pull up, pull the ball in. The psychic steals, the uh, magnetic steals, as, as you call them. Um, yeah, it, it's and it, it feels very fake in that in that way. Uh, it felt pretty good in ten, which again is, is a much older game, obviously. So getting live ball physics as well, uh, also getting the proportion of fouls because it still feels like you're more likely to get fouls with a guard trying to steal and guard on the perimeter or a wing player, a perimeter player, I should say. Whereas there's there's a lot still a lot more fouls in the paint. Um, even with the modern game. So get, kind of getting that uh, ratio of fouls, I, I think, is, is still one of those uh, issues that hasn't really been cleaned up over the years. But that and live ball right, physics, so- uh, another couple of things that come to mind there. Yeah, the live ball physics thing, I really started noticing the issues with that in 2K19. Um, there's these unbelievably long canned moments of like wrestling for the ball. Um, and you you don't have any control over these moments. It's just like this weird like long sequence drawn out sequence um and a lot of times it feels unnecessary instead of like you picking up the ball they're just like pushing it further along <laughs> and they just both keep pushing it further along um, or, or you'll try and... and chase the ball but your player just goes into a slow trot or they won't grab at it you know there's all these fake moments where you, you should be able to make a play on that loose ball but it's decided no you're not going to get it so your player kind of holds back or speed speed differentiation where i've had times where we're trying to chase down Ennis Cantor with Michael Jordan and I, I'm just with, with sprint with, with Jordan and I can't run faster than Ennis Cantor. There's all kinds of, again, it comes down to those phony moments and they're, and they're, uh, and this is against the CPU and just these, this imbalance gameplay balance is another one. And, and that's a user versus user as well. But there's, it goes back to those, those fake moments that to, to even it out and make it challenging. The challenge comes from the CPU doing things where it's rigging the game against you again. Yeah, I, feel, I will say, fake. yeah, I, I will say though, it did feel pretty good with live 10 and live 10. And I want to say another thing that live 10 got pretty well. Um, and that they actually do a little bit better in my opinion than some of the newer two K's is saving the ball from going out of bounds. Mm, and yep. does it always work? No, but it doesn't always work in real life, but you do have those instances where the ball is going out of bounds and your player will go out there on live 10 and they will save it in bounds. And where it ends up isn't like a canned place. Like it will end up in the middle of a couple of players and then you have to go get it. And if you go get it, you're not put into this long drawn out canned animation. Right. So like, I think that that would, that's also another good point in NBA live 10 where it feels good and authentic when a ball is saved from the out of bounds. And when you go to get that ball, it also feels good. So it is crazy to think about 
all the things that some of the, and this is a conversation my brother and I actually just had tonight. It's crazy that when you go, you, you can go back almost a decade, sometimes even more, especially with like some of the NBA live stuff um, and find that they were doing things better that felt better on the sticks back then than what they do today. And an example of that is go back and play NBA 2K13 and play with that right stick dribbling. It actually feels a lot better than NBA 2K21 mm. and NBA 2K20 and NBA 2K19. The the dribbling feels tighter. Uh, you can go wider on crossovers. There's more moves it almost feels like you can do um, on NBA 2K13. Uh, it makes more sense changing directions with your dribble. Uh, dribbling, you know, from the side or the front or whatever, like go back and play that. And you'll be like, wait a minute, this dribbling feels tighter than a game that came out eight years earlier. So yeah. it is, it, 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 we were talking about that tonight and it was, we were just kind of, you know, venting about it basically. The other thing I should note here is that I've been saying psychic. I probably mean telekinesis as much as anything else. Although you do see the psychic steals where the CPU just has, seems to have eyes in the back of its head. And, and steals that way so we, you do still see again it, not to overuse the term but these phony moments where the cpu is just uh manipulating the the action beyond the realms of uh you know talk about realism and realistic stats we see the ball curving in a way that it it just certainly shouldn't the trajectory just changes the ball pops out of the basket when it's halfway down which hey you know we, we have seen some really weird uh times when the ball has uh rolled around the rim and popped out but it, it's it it is again very phony and or the cpu making steals that it shouldn't or or you clearly you clearly make what should be a safe pass but you throw it straight to the the opposition which which does happen you know sometimes players do mess up and it, it's very hard to make mistakes look organic in basketball games so i i, I certainly admit that it, it's easy for us to say yes make it look realistic and make it look organic and lifelike but there are certain Again, I think they need to find a way to better hide the seams, better hide the strings, the the effects that they're doing under the hood to to have the these situations play out because they do look very canned. You can see them coming. You can see see what happens. You go into the instant replay, it looks even worse when you slow it down and, and see. You can see exactly how they've done it, uh, like like a magician having sloppy sleight of hand. You can see the trick being done, so to speak. So fixing that up and and getting the gameplay balance between fouls and and, and, and player abilities and things uh, so important, live ball physics those are the areas that we, we've seen varying degrees of uh, of success in, in previous games but I think those are the areas really that, uh, that moving forward uh, th- that's that's what I'd like to see That that's kind of currently um, uh, yet, yet to be implemented correctly to, to go back to the uh, wording of the question yeah, strike the right balance between control and authenticity that's really what they need to be able to do yeah. Um because it's a sim game. That's right. right. It's a sim game, so you want that authenticity there. Um, you want the, you know, the the way real humans move. You want them to be able to plant their feet like the real humans, real athletes do. You want them to be able to pull up for shots like they really do. Um, you want to be able to, you know, have all of that, but also have the control on the sticks. Um, for it to feel good when you do all of those things on offense or defense. And I, I agree. I don't think they've ever been able to find, uh, and they may never be able to find the perfect balance, but they, they I don't think they've really found, they, they haven't hit their ceiling, let's put it that way, with the and, gameplay. And just one final point to that uh, point of balance, uh, being able to find a way that balances both online and offline gameplay without affecting the other, and adversely affecting the other. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, is I, I believe because it's been done in the past, I believe that they can have one core great gameplay system and it could work for both online and offline. I yeah, really do. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think you can look no further than games back like 2K16 and 2K17, which were much better received. Um, And I think that for online and offline, I think that it's going to be one core gameplay system always. And I, but like I said, I think it can be achieved like a strong one. I, I, I really do. I think, I think they can do a strong core gameplay and it work for both. And of course they have yet to implement uh, shoelace physics. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but at the same time, at least the faces move because in NBA ballers they really didn't. Mm. So at least they have like face animations. So they gave us that. Where's where's our uh, our gum chewing mini game? That's what I want to know. But uh, <laughs> thank you for the the question. Always great to get questions about gameplay, as you said, and uh, it makes us think because obviously games have come such a long way. We've played a lot of them over the years. We you and I go back to a lot of them as well, and so we we can often see how games have, have gotten better or, or regressed as sometimes unfortunately the case may be, but also how some ideas have been lost over the years, but, but, but again, how far they've come, but yeah, there are some, there are some ways that they have, uh, as, as far as they've come. And even if they haven't regressed, uh, just some further room for improvement. So it's, it's very interesting when people say that games have gotten as good as they can be. Uh, no, there's definitely room for improvement. Well, I want to bring up a point really quick. Uh, Izzy snow, on the YouTube video, he said, this game holds up really well. He was talking about our NBA Live 10 gameplay. You know, it's pretty unbelievable that we go back and play a game that's 11 years old uh, in NBA Live 10, over 11 years old now, and it can feel more fun and enjoyable and overall be in a better experience than a game that's over a decade newer. And I think that just speaks volumes, that we're not always doing things better today, right? Like that things, things can regress or decline in different ways. And, you know, some people say, you know, they, they may say, I, I may, en- I enjoy 2K21 better. I enjoy 2K20 better than NBA Live 10. So that's not my experience. But, you know, there's two people on this phone right now on this podcast that will tell you that, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, that we, ag- we enjoy NBA Live 10 more right now. Absolutely, and I, yeah, I, think I agree. Than two K twenty one, and I think that's cool. I looked up some gameplay footage of Jamit to link to it for an article. That's uh, has it come out, or maybe one that's coming out shortly. Um, and and there's actually a, a comment on that that said they really liked the idea of it and really liked the game. So uh, I respectfully disagree with their uh, with with their assessment of the quality of Jamit. But uh, that being said, all kinds of opinions out there, and it's sometimes people like weird stuff. Right, exactly, and Jam, it's weird. It's, it's a weird, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not a great game, but if you enjoy it, that's fine. Well, power that's to good. you, yeah. We applaud that, right. I mean, we may not revisit it if you ask, <laughs> not <for> but long. <laughs> we could, so we'll see. Yeah, it works in DOSBox, the PC version, so we can. But uh, thank you, Molly, for the question and for tuning in. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. And once again, podcast at mb-live.com or on our socials or the forum. Anyway, you'd like to hit us up for the mailbag. For, uh, we usually do qu- two questions or topics each week. I only had one because we had a lot in our minds this week to cover. But uh, normally we do two, but definitely get involved with that because we love doing the mailbag. 
Absolutely. Thanks for the questions. And Ermoli has been listening to a lot of our ep- episodes, so um, definitely appreciate you. Uh, it's been really cool to hear uh, some of the people that are submitting the highlights listen to the podcast as well. In fact, somebody um, sent me a few different highlights, and the podcast, I could hear it playing in the background. Very cool. Uh, so I thought that was super cool. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks for the questions, and thanks for listening to the show. And on that note, uh, we are at the end of episode number 381 of the NLC podcast. We hope you enjoyed tuning in and listening to this episode where we had a lot in our minds this week. The podcast comes out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is mv-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching or streaming apps. Not sure of the nomenclature these days, but uh, any apps where you can get the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. On those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Please feel free to leave us a hopefully positive review on Apple Podcasts, but as long as you're tuning in and enjoying the show each and every week, that is the main thing. And since we do love interacting with our listeners, Derek, where can they find you on socials, and any other final words for our amazing listeners? Oh, absolutely. Uh, First off, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for tuning into the top 10. Thanks for submitting the highlights. Thanks for enjoying our, you know, NBA Live 10 gameplay that we've been uploading and the gameplay that I've been uploading um, recently for like Live 15 and NBA 2K19 and 2K20, etc. So, um, yeah, I appreciate all the support. Uh, And get on the NLSC and submit those NBA 2K22 wish lists. I still have to get on there and put mine on there and uh i think it's really important and i think the devs look at it so um definitely get on there and do that uh tune into holding court with d for three we're on apple podcast stitcher podcast addict amazon audible clns media etc um hopefully we'll, we'll be recording episode 18 this week we have a lot to cover um i'm on twitter at d for 384 where i'm the most active um, i have a gaming channel at d for 3g on twitter as well i'm on youtube d for free i um instagram d for 384 and also on the nlsc i'm a team member over there d for three as i said at the top of the show i am andrew in the forum and andrew nlsc on twitter as for the nlsc socials on twitter and facebook we are the nlsc on Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, which is nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>